Before we start this week's episode, quick reminder that the inaugural Terminal Mile Cup is coming up August 6th in Hamilton, Ontario. The winners will have to run the fastest distance medley relay, an event made up of 400, 800, 1200, and 1600 meter legs. We've got some really great teams showing interest and some really cool announcements coming up regarding the event, and we hope to see you there whether it be running or cheering. Be sure to go to tracky.ca for more details. On this week's show, we chat with two runners who have taken the road less traveled, I guess you could say. Seth Marcaccio, marathoner, ultramarathoner, mountain runner, maybe future 800-meter specialist, joins us to chat about winning a 50-mile ultra that served as the USATF championship. But first, Ethan Davenport has continued to train and grind out his spot in the Canadian middle distance scene as a coach and as a middle distance runner. He was also selected as the Ontario Runners at Ontario Runners on Instagram, Runner of the Week, and he joins the show first. You're listening to The Terminal Mile at The Terminal Mile on Instagram and Twitter, a Tracky Radio production. Ethan Davenport is the perfect model for a runner who still competes post-collegially, balancing all that comes with adult life and focus training. Ethan recently got 6th in the Canadian 1500 meter championship race, and he was also selected as the Ontario Runners Athlete of the Week. So, I, I mean, one of the things about you is, like, I think really my first, my first like, opportunity of, of you coming up on my radar was this year at the national championships when you made it to the final, and you ended up, you know, placing fairly well. I mean, like, I believe 6th overall. Um, at a national championships in the 1500, which is, you know, traditionally one of the strongest events. I, I have to know the story behind that. Like, how, how were you feeling after that? And like, you ran like pretty close to a PR over that weekend, did you not? Yeah, I was, uh, I think I was three seconds off, but you know, those races, they're, they're pretty slow to start and then it's a sit and kick battle. So to run 350, but yeah, like even let's back up further because it was a, it was a pretty good feat to make the semis. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I mean, I I didn't qualify with the standard. Um, I was, yeah, I think I was lost four seconds off the standard, three seconds off the standard. So I have to do the heats and then I have to do the semis and then the finals were a huge surprise to even make it. For sure. For sure. I mean, like, I think, um, the year before that, Jeff Tweedle did something similar where he ran like the qualifying round and then he, you know, went, went through, he had the extra race in his legs. And I, I think he actually came, I believe sixth the, the same, same as you did. So, I mean, like th- that's, that's, that's gotta be pretty wild. I mean, what also really kind of struck me about it is, so you went to the university of Toronto, but since then, you know, you're still keeping up with this, you're still training really hard and you're, you're still getting out there and stuff, which is, is kind of an oddity in itself. Like either you are like super good and stay, you know, committed through that way, or you just kind of fall off and, and fade off. But like that, that doesn't seem to be something that you've done. Why have you chosen to stick around with the sport? Yeah, it's a it's a good point. It 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 doesn't happen very often. We do we do have a a pretty good group here um, of post collegiates. But again, I'm I'm t- you know, I'm 28 now, so I'm no spring chicken. Uh, so it it is strange. But um, I, I think I just have like a pretty long term relationship with the sport, and it runs pretty deep. Um, like you know, from from the competition to practice, the ups, the downs, the pain. Like it's a pretty yeah. I, I've fallen in love with the sport, and it's 
you know, it's really tough to get away from. And coaching it definitely sucks me back in. And it's sort of a source of motivation in itself. So I'm coaching the junior development program here at UFT. And so it's like, I'm just around it a lot. And so I, I keep the training going as much as I can. But it's, um, I think it's a, now I have to be a little bit more strategic. You know, I'm, I have to job hunt and I'm getting into the teaching profession now. I graduated, so everything has to be very efficient and, and strategic. Uh, <laughs> and that's the, sort of where I'm at right now. So I, I know talking to you, quite a few people, they they would say something like, you know, I didn't realize what I was doing in my own racing or, you know, I picked up a whole bunch of other things from, from racing, you know, after I started being a coach, once I started helping out with that and I was able to take, you know, this, this and this and apply it to my own races, was that, was that the case with you? Did you, you know, pick up a lot of stuff and were you able to apply it to your own racing? Um, I think the, the, the racing, like being an athlete has helped me a lot coach i think that's been it's been more that way but now i mean i i have to, i'm dealing with you know a pretty big junior development group and you're you know there's a lot of ups and downs with juniors and and so i think i take a lot of it the positives i take from that is is reminding myself to sort of you know stay pretty even because you know i'm as a coach you have to you have to deal with the ups and downs with your athletes it's it's emotionally like it's a roller coaster and then for my own racing, it's just like, oh, this is just fun. Like, I, you know, the the mindset definitely changes, and it's a lot easier for me to approach big competitions um, when there's only one athlete I need to worry about, and it's myself. So, for sure. That way. You know, the the UTCC club has been um, they've been really well known for for the women's team there. Um, you know, especially, especially recently, but you know, what a lot of people forget is, is that the men's side has, you know, pretty strong contingent as well. I mean, you have, you know, Sasha Smart there, um, and you, you have a bunch of guys who are, who are kind of on the come up right now. Uh, talk to me about your training partners, you know, who do you match up with in workouts and, uh, and who can, who should we really be keeping our eye on? Yeah, it's, it's sort of crept up on us. We have, <clears throat> well, uh, we, there's, six or seven now sub sub 350 50 meter runners and and so between i mean between jill and and terry they're like we've got all these guys that were you know not like you know we're not sponsored or anything but we're we're still having fun and, and we're yeah six i think six or seven now under 350 which is a really good training group and some of them are still varsity and, and then some of them are like the the varsity aftermath project, you know, like the people hanging on to the dream. Hmm. Um, but yeah, they're, they're, it's a great group of guys. Like, um, and you mentioned Sasha and we've got, yeah, we, 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 we do have like actually like probably a group of 10 to 12 and, and between the eight all the way up to the 5k, it's like, it's a really good atmosphere right now. So it's like, it makes my life easier if I can go to practice and guys and like, I'll give you a quick example. Today I was at the indoor track doing a you know a, a strength session with some juniors and and like there's just a lot going on so there's a you know long jump competition that i can jump in with the with the juniors with the other junior group there's some post collegiates like michael trinkus that he's still doing weight weights and sprints and, and he might even do some 800s coming up so like there's you can just jump in and around and there's lots of people still kind of training and at least being a part of the sport in some way and it's it's, it's pretty it's a pretty great atmosphere right now i'm not gonna lie Oh, for sure. That that sounds uh, that sounds pretty neat. So, like, what would you say 
it is about the the culture. I mean, because a lot of you guys were University of Toronto guys uh, before you were part of the UTTC. Like, what's what's that culture like that has you know allowed a lot of people to you know take a look at their running and you know stick around and and give it a, you know a couple more couple more years you know a couple more shots at it. Um, I, I think Toronto definitely like you, you have some advantages, right? Because there's a lot of jobs here. People are trying to start careers and and so that I think that's the biggest draw because you can if you find the time you can double dip and you can kind of um, get things going that are specific to what you want to do and then oh okay I'm done at five I might as well head over to the to the varsity center at the AC and and you know get a quick session and, and, and see where I'm at you know do that for a few weeks in a row and string together a couple months and then you've got a couple seasons and you know if it if it fits and you still enjoy it, I mean, it's not it's not that difficult. So I think the job the, the job market. I mean, in Toronto, obviously, it's it's a no brainer. Like there's there's lots of unique opportunities here. It's a pretty um, vibrant city, obviously. Yeah. So I mean, probably a lot of the listeners know you as a miler or you know as a, as a fifteen hundred meter runner. What's what's kind of the the go to workout? Like which which way do you which way do you fall? Uh, you know, on that spectrum of miler, are you like an eight hundred fifteen or fifteen five? And and what are the workouts that you do to kind of support your strengths? Oh man, uh, I guess I'm a. I guess I'm thinking I was a five k runner. I did. Uh, I, I made it to. I was a husky at the end of my high school career. Um, I joined huskies in grade twelve because I was from the Newmarket Aurora area. Um, and I was like, I'm a distance guy. Like we would do distance workouts. I did the five K I went to junior Nats for five K and, uh, I mean, I wasn't any, any good back then, but I was still like in the game a bit. And then I got to U of T and, and it sort of transformed into, Oh, I'm, I'm a four by, I'm an 800 runner now. So like <laughs> now I'm a 150, you know, 150, 800, 347, 15. And then it, it, you know, it gets worse and worse as I go up because I, you know, I've been focused on the, the speed development the last five years or six years since I've been here. So I guess I'd be um, from the bottom up, but hopefully if I continue, I mean, you know, continue to step up the distance because I, I do the odd 5k here and there and 3k. And, and so, uh, yeah, workout wise, we just, we just had a pretty cool one the other day. Uh, I wanted to do a 1200, like a sort of a 1200 really good effort take a long break and do a 400. Hmm. So that's like a kind of a cool workout. We come back to every once in a while. It's a 1200 time trial. You take 15 minutes, let's say, and you do a 400. Um, so that, that was uh, on, on uh, the docket. Uh, what was it last, last week? And so that's always a good one, I think. But I mean, I'm also, I'm not going to, you know, give you some great, awesome story about how I killed it. Cause I actually didn't even finish it. And, <laughs> <laughs> but, but I think that's probably more powerful, especially like as a coach, you know, I, I love to tell the junior stories like, you know, me, you know, if it doesn't work that day, it doesn't work and you move on. But the 1200, I, I got, I had Ben DeVito and Sasha pacing me for first and third lap. And, um, who else did I have? I have Matosh in there. And so we went out and we went through in 154, 155 for the eight and 225, 226 for the 1k. And then I just came back so slow, and, and I, I it was two fifty nine. So my last two hundred was thirty four seconds. So the the fridge or whatever you want to call it, the proverbial fridge, the bear, it jumped on my back. And but like that, that's that's good too. Like that manufacturing that kind of pain is is what it's all about. And then I my blister was so bad, and I was so 
in the hole that I didn't even do the 400. So, yeah, that's my workout story there for you. Well, I mean, like, you, you sound like you, you have a pretty good sense of humor about it now. Um, I know it's kind of been the downfall of a lot of runners where, you know, they will not do so well in a workout and they'll just completely, you know, mess with their mind for, for weeks on end and stuff. I mean, have you always been this way? Or is this something that you, you've picked up over time? Or, or like, what's what's the whole psychology of, you know, bad workouts versus good workouts and, and how they affect your races? Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. That's I think that's super important because being trying to mindset. I, I mean, it's not a place where people get to you know without work and you know easily. But I mean, I I had a really like I said, I, I've got a long term relationship with the sport. I started in triathlons and and through high school and just trained alone and and no one told me to train. My parents were, but in fact. Like I think the only thing my mom ever said was smile when you cross the finish line. And like my dad, it's funny. My dad would be like, we go to like ops and I'd come a hundredth. And and my dad would like see me training, you know, every day like a maniac. And he, you know, in the car ride home, he'd be like, wow, like Ethan, there's a lot of great runners out there. <laughs> and so like those two things, like smile when you cross the finish line, and like you know that humbling, like you know, you you basically got to figure out like why you're in it and like be very clear about like you know. Do you, do you really enjoy it? And not just the outcome, right? The trying to, as try as it sounds, like really take in the process and enjoy it. So, yeah, maybe it came through through my upbringing, but it clicked and, and I loved it and I, and I haven't stopped. So, yeah, my mindset's been pretty nice and even keeled. So those types of workouts, you know, I don't, I don't them too much. In fact, I sometimes can gain a little bit of confidence from them if, I'm, if I know I'm making an intelligent decision. And I'm going to be better off for it, but you know, tough place to get to. But I'm I'm happy I'm here, but and, and I try to help juniors get to that place. Well, for sure. hey man, it sounds sounds like you you have the right right idea and stuff like that. It's it's uh, yeah, no, that that's super cool. Just one more question for you. I'm uh, I'm sure you've caught it, but the uh, the terminal mile is actually we're putting on a bit of a race in a couple of weeks. It's uh, it's called the Terminal Mile Cup, and uh, basically what it's going to be is it's going to be um, some some DMRs or some big uh, distance medley relays. We have some some awesome trophies, and we have a pretty big announcement that we can't reveal just yet. But it's uh, it's it's going to be pretty cool stuff. I think my question here is though, if uh, if some of your teammates were to, to call you up, maybe uh, maybe Michael Steiba, maybe Sasha Smart, any one of those guys, and say, "Hey, let's put together a DMR, and you have first choice at which leg you want to run. Which one are you going to take?" <laughs> oh yeah, because like you know, we were we were talking about this once you guys came out with it. We're like, like we want to hang on and like. It's a long weekend, so like you know, there's other there's things going on, cottages and stuff. But you know what? We were thinking about this, and we'd have a good one, I think. But I think I would probably take the the twelve or the mile for sure, because we got you know Sasha and Devito, you know, have, are running faster than me in the eight, and we've got a good four guy that can run, you know, forty eight. So probably twelve or twelve or mile. I think that's uh, yeah. The mile is kind of a fun one. I, I really um. You don't get many opportunities now, right? Because you know we're metric. But I, you know, Sergio and I raced a mile on the road in Mississauga earlier this year, and like that was a blast. So like I think the mile, the more times I can get into the mile, that's that's a fun event. Fair enough. Fair enough. Or the sixteen hundred, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, 
thanks a lot for being on the show this weekend, uh, man. And I really do appreciate it. And, uh, and congratulations on, on winning the, uh, the Ontario runners contest. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks a lot. Thanks for having me. It's, it's been a blast and, uh, yeah, enjoy your run later tonight. Seth Marcaccio is all about finding his own way in the sport. He's a CCAA cross-country champion, but since his college days, he's gone all in on distance running, running a couple of marathons, PB of 224.44, and recently finishing his first 50-miler, which also served as the USATF championship race, which he won. So this was, I would say, you know, a bit of a redemption story for you. Um, and we have so much to talk about because since the last time that, that we talked, because you've, you've done so much, uh, both on the road as well as off the road as well too. But I think a good place to start would be at the USATF, uh, 50, 50 miler, uh, ultra marathon race that you won this past weekend. Tell me a little more about it. Talk to me about the race, you know, what went well, how were you able to capitalize on things? Um, well, I guess, uh, there's probably the biggest difference with this race compared to, uh, uh, my last attempt at a 50 miler was, uh, just, I, well, I didn't have a stupid injury going into it. Um, uh, so I was healthy going into it and then just, uh, like two days before the race kind of writing out, like formulating a nutrition plan, uh, that I just tried to stick to, um, made the nutrition go, I'm not gonna say it went perfectly, but it was it was pretty close. There was a there was a couple of bathroom breaks in there that maybe costed me um, about five minutes. Uh, but it was uh, I guess kind of the, the way the race played out was uh, there was a group of four of us that went out uh, at the start of the race, and then it just kind of dwindled down probably by probably by about 15 miles. It was just down to me and. Um, uh, his name is Tyler Sigel. He, he ran about 2.15 for the marathon. He's a, he was a course record holder um, for this race. And basically, he would do a four-minute gap on me um, pretty much up until uh, about 40, probably about 43 miles. Um, there's an aid station there. Uh, and when I came out of the aid station, everyone's like, hey, he's only like a minute up. Um, so when I caught up to him at 44 miles and then I decided to make a little bit of a surgery on 45 miles and, uh, thankfully it was, it was weird. Pretty much every race I ran longer than the half marathon. I've always felt like I'm, I'm bonking on the, towards the layer bit. Um, uh, but at no point in that race did I feel like my body was shutting down and I felt really good, uh, the last five miles and was able to get a, get a decent gap in that last five miles. So it sounds like you were running alone for for a bit of this race. I mean, thinking back to my to my own marathon experience, and I know a lot of other people have kind of felt this way as well. You know, a lot of that battle is is not only with um, your body and with your legs, but but within your mind as well to uh, to keep that going. Especially if there's if there's no one around you, how, how do you prepare for that? You know, psychological aspect of running fifty miles. Um, I guess try to I've done some stupid things with training like uh just trying to get your mind callous to to doing crazy things um not saying like really stupid things but uh just you know doing like back-to-back 
uh, long runs, I find is something that can help out. And then mentally in the race uh, is just knowing that I've, I've had that training. Um, you know, I know how I feel late in that second long run. It's pretty similar feeling. Um, and then just taking it aid station by aid station. So for this race, I was like, okay, the first of the race is just about getting to the aid station at 26 miles. Um, and then once I got to 26, it's like, okay, uh, aid station by aid station. So I was like, if I can get to 32 miles, I'm good. If I can get to 37 miles, and then uh, once I got to 43, and I noticed that I wasn't on the brink of death quite yet, uh, I was like, okay, I, I can I can do this. You know, the, there's so much variation in these in these ultra marathon courses. Um, you know, it can range from you know single track to you know like crazy elevation gains and, and losses and, and that sort of stuff. What, what was the course like uh, at Cayuga? Um, it was there. Never really felt like there was any flat sections. It was just kind of uh, it was just hills. Either you're going up or down the whole time. There's I think right around. 10,000 feet of climbing. I'm not 100% sure what that is in meters, maybe a little bit over 3,000 meters. Um, and there was, for the most part, the trails were, it was pretty much all single track. Um, when it did widen out, there was a, they had a couple of gorges there. Um, and the trail going up the gorge was like a mix of stairs and rocky and rooty terrain. Um, there was a couple, there's a couple, uh, like little grass sections, uh, but for the most part, it was relatively technical. So, so you're a pretty fast guy, and and you know I've seen some of your workouts and stuff. You you can throw down some some pretty good threshold workouts, but you know taking a look at the at the race data from this, uh, like if if I recall correctly, you were over you know five minutes a kilometer uh, averaging. You yeah, know, <laughs> does that feel kind of weird? You know to to you know, knowing that you have the ability to go faster than say, you know, three minute kilometers, but then, you know, to, I guess, go that slow over, over 50 miles, you know, you know like what, what's, what's that feel like? And, you know, how do you set a pace going into that? Um, well, I mean, I used to always have this fear, like I couldn't, I couldn't upload a run on Strava. It was slower than like 430 per K, even on an easier run. Cause I'd, my one buddy, he knows who he is. He'd always just say soft or weak or something like that. <laughs> so then, you know, you upload, you upload like a 50 mile run or 50 mile race on there. And I think my average pace was like, I don't know, like five, or it was around 510. Um, but it's one of those things too, where you, you, you look at it and you're like, oh man, that's really slow. But until you actually run that distance and with that terrain, uh, it's, it's not, it doesn't feel that slow. Um, especially like you're, you're losing, you're losing time in aid stations too. So like I probably, uh, I think with my two bathroom sauce, I probably lost about five minutes total there. And then I think with, I was, I was not very efficient with the aid stations. Hmm. Um, like I think the one at 43, I ran, I ran past it and realized I didn't have any gels. So I had to turn around and go back and grab gels. Um, but I mean, I think it's nice on Strava cause they have like a, a lapsed time and then the moving time and you can see kind of how much time you actually, you did lose. Um, so I think I, if I was more efficient and didn't have bathroom stops, I could have easily probably taken off about 10 minutes off of the time. But in terms of kind of 
thinking about what sort of pace to run for that race, I, I mean, it's, it's tough because, you know, it's, it's a long race. There's so much that can go wrong. Um, you don't know how you're going to feel on the day. Um, I just kind of looked up at previous year's results for that race and thought if I run under seven hours, that's usually good enough for at least a top three finish. Um, and thankfully it was, it was better than a top three finish. You know, you've uh, you've tried a, a few different uh, new things in the, in the past year, and it, it's been kind of cool to watch. One of those things was uh, you tried some mountain racing earlier this spring. Uh, tell me a little bit about that, and how do you train for a mountain race when you live in London, Ontario? Um, I'd say the best, the best way to train for a mountain race is to uh, either get a gym membership or invest in a good treadmill, because, um, yeah, there's not uh, there's not really anything that can... I guess prepare you for uh, for that sort of race, uh, especially the way the course that course was in New Hampshire. Like the last uh, the last six or seven hundred meters, like had an average of forty four percent incline. And I mean, to run up, and he's like like Joe Gray, who's a mountain running world champion, but he's not he's not running up the hill. He's he's power hiking it. And I guess you can't really train for anything that steep. Here, if the race was, if the race didn't get above like fifteen percent, maybe twenty percent incline at any points, um, it'd be pretty easy to just be doing be doing hill runs or hill workouts on the treadmill. Um, but yeah, just the the element of having to power hike because the hill is too steep, you can't really train for here. You know, one thing that I've I've appreciated about uh, you know watching watching you progress along is um, the fact that that you seem to be always learning and always picking things up. Um, you know, take for example, a lot of people maybe haven't been following you, but uh, you know, you made a bid for the for the world championship uh, marathon team. You know, in in your debut uh, to do that, you you bumped up your mileage a whole lot. Um, and, you know, a little bit later in the year, you ran a 50 miler, it didn't work out so well and that sort of stuff. But, you know, with every single thing, it feels like you are learning something new and you're applying that to your training and, and overall you are, you know, getting better and getting better. What would you say that, that you know, some of the biggest lessons that you've learned uh, since leaving college and winning that CCAA title just a, a couple of years ago, like what are, what are the big lessons that, that you've, you know, used and applied with, with everyday running? Um, I'd probably say in terms of the training for the marathon, I think that debut, um, I, I got a little bit too fixated on uh, hitting numbers at the end of the week. Like, I'm like, oh, man, I have to be at 140 miles this week. I have to. And I got to a point where I just kind of stopped listening to listening to my body. Um, I think, like, I had, I, I always use this as kind of the benchmark of where my fitness is at. I did, like, a 10-mile fart lick. Um, I can't remember the, I think it was, I can't remember the exact number, but it was like three minutes hard, one minute easy. And I went through 10 miles in like just over 51 minutes. And then I did the same workout like a month later and I like did it like in just under 53 minutes. So I was like, oh, I'm in a bit of a bad situation now because I kind of had a feeling I may have been a little bit overtrained for that. Um, so I think that was a big lesson, just kind of not getting too fixated on hitting numbers at the end of the week and kind of listening to your body a little bit more. 
the the other two things I learned were uh, that Pittsburgh is a really hilly course, um, and I was not ready for the hills of that course. So now going into races, I'll look at uh, like the elevation profile, see how much climbing there is, because um, I mean it can definitely play a huge factor in. Uh, your training and how the race will go for you. If you're prepared for the hills on a hilly course, you're going to do well. And if you're not, you're going to you're going to have a bit of a rough day. And uh, I guess the the other thing that I learned, kind of both at uh, Pittsburgh and uh, that unfortunate uh, DNF um, at JFK 50 Mile this past fall, was just um, how important the aspect of nutrition is in in longer races. Um, I, I just didn't practice it enough. Uh, like Pittsburgh, I basically spent the last 12 miles throwing up, uh, which is not very fun to do. Um, and then JFK, uh, well, I think mixed with uh, not listening to my body, uh, having an injury, and then just not really knowing what to do with nutrition-wise in a race that long. Uh, it's, it makes you think going into your next race, you're like, okay, what went wrong here? And if, you, if you're able to kind of pinpoint out the things where uh, the race kind of went went poorly for you, you can try to improve them for the next round. So um, I'm thankful. I think now I've got the nutrition thing a little bit better figured or figured out a little bit better. But you know, it can it can still even if uh, you're using the same formula or the same plan for for the next race, it can still not work. You just kind of have to try and try and stick to a routine so you know after jfk um i believe i I read it somewhere on on, you know maybe in one of your blog posts or or something like that the the term burnt burnout was was mentioned which you know i think is something that you know a lot of listeners can can really identify with you know especially after putting in a lot of high mileage you know maybe coming off an injury that sort of stuff you've you've obviously gotten through it and you know you're back to to you know some really good mileage numbers and that sort of stuff but most of all you're you seem to be enjoying the sport again how did you get through your through your burnout phase and and you know get on the right track um it was it was tough i think um like coming off of i think just it, it was a rough year in 2017 i think uh just feeling like i kind of experienced failures at pretty much every race I did, except for maybe run for the toad. That was okay. But uh, everything else was a bit of a disaster. Uh, So yeah, like coming into 2018, I just like, I did not feel like training and it's, it's kind of tough, like, especially after JFK, I was like, you know, maybe, maybe this isn't for me. Maybe I should uh, just hang it up. And then I don't know. It was just kind of weird all of a sudden, like, uh, you know, I would still try to put in okay mileage, nothing crazy. I guess, well, it's crazy as relative when it comes to mileage, <laughs> but I, I don't consider, I don't consider like a hundred mile a week that crazy. Um, but I was just kind of, you know, slogging through a hundred mile weeks, not really feeling like it, just really having to mentally drag myself out the door for it. Um, and I ran a decent marathon off of pretty garbage training, uh, back in back in February and then I don't know just somewhere somewhere around March kind of late March April area something just clicked and I was like oh man I really want to start hammering mileage again and I really want to start training hard again 
Um, so I guess, you know, it, it's running is kind of like life. You have, you have the ups and the downs and you got to just kind of, you know, find, find a reason why you're doing the sport. And for me, it, it's just kind of that, that grinding feeling. I love, I love working hard. Um, and then, yeah, just kind of trying to have faith that, uh, faith that you'll get through the downtimes. So you've shown so much promise on uh, on some of your your road marathons so far, uh, but you've you've done really well now at that uh, at that fifty mile uh, ultra marathon as well too. When can we expect to see you you know back on the roads, maybe taking another shot at that uh, at that you know taking down your PR a little bit uh, on the roads with the marathon? Um, to be honest, I I'm not a hundred percent sure. I felt like. I felt like if this if this race was a marathon instead of a fifty miler, I thought I I was kind of in a weird spot where I thought I was in good enough shape to PB at pretty much everything from five k up to the marathon, and I I don't know um, I'm kind of uh, this fall I, I I mentally I think for myself I have to go back and uh, I have to go back and do JFK um, just to just so I, I want to run to my potential there. It's it's a relatively fast course um for for a 50 miler and i yeah i can't i have to go back uh to get that better taste out of my mouth um in terms of the marathon yeah i don't know part of me part of me the the whole reason i got into the sport was because i read an article about uh ultra trail de mont blanc um which is a uh, 100 miler in the in the alps in france switzerland and italy and that that's what got me into running because i wanted to do that uh, so part of me kind of wants to try and uh, see if I can qualify for something like Western States next year, but uh, I feel like kind of the hundred mile distance is like the point of no return, where it's like you're not gonna you're not gonna run a fast marathon after you after you do that. And I I still want to kind of see what I can do with the marathon because I mean I trained for four weeks and ran 2:24 off of pretty terrible training, so I, I feel like the potential is is still there and I'm just learning more and more about, uh, about the longer distances. But yeah, I, I honestly don't have a, a time frame for the next marathon. Oh man. Well, like I said, I, I, I'm pretty excited for the, for the next time you take it on. Uh, just, just one more question for you with the, uh, with the terminal mile cup coming up very, very shortly. I realize you're an ultra marathoner, you're a marathoner, but if one of your buddies was to call you up and say, there's, there's no backing out of this, you have to choose a leg in the DMR to run, which leg are you choosing? Um, the mile is the longest distance in the DMR, right? Yeah. It's, it's, uh, 400, 800, 1200 and 1600. Oh, 15. Okay. Um, I don't know, to be honest with you. Uh, well, I, like, I, I ran like a 51 400 in high school, and I, like, in speed workouts, uh, not that long ago, I was still going under 60. <laughs> so, I don't know. Part of me wants to see what I could do for, for 400 off of, uh, kind of slow ultra training. Um, and I, I like I ran two oh one for the eight hundred in high school, so I feel like I need to at least get under two. <laughs> so I you know what I'm probably gonna say the eight hundred. Perfect. I will uh I think you know, there might be a couple other marathon we can make a marathoning team for the Terminal Mile Cup and uh we'll sign you up as the eight hundred. 
Seth is, has called dibs on the 800 leg guys. That is final, 100%. Man, it's it's been really good to see you bounce back. And, you know, you didn't feel so good about 2017, but it looks like 2018 is, is treating you just fine. And, hey, that is really, really great to watch. And uh, I'm really happy that's working out for you, man. And, you know, I'm glad you could be on this week's show. Oh, thanks for having me. Well, that wraps up another edition of the Terminal Mile. Big thanks to my guests this week, both Ethan and Seth, as well as to track you for their ongoing support. If you want to find us online, you can do so on Twitter and Instagram. We're at the handle at the Terminal Mile. We're also on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, Google Play, and of course, tracky.ca. Big thanks to you for listening. This has been the Terminal Mile, a Tracky Radio production. <laughs>